Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Yo, yo. All right, what's up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for uh, another episode of the Motocross Companion. Uh, we dived straight into it uh, yesterday. We had um, we had a podcast that we did before uh, and then we had to go straight into the motocross companion, uh, from the, uh, second round at Fox Raceway. So I didn't get a chance to, to do any of the ads or the shout outs. Um, so this is that, um, firstly, we are brought to you by the, the MX companion is brought to you by the guys at MX store. Um, the guys at MX store have stepped up big time, um, to bring, uh, everybody this MX companion or motocross companion, uh, for this season, uh, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's just like a dream fit for us. Um, I go, these, these guys are my go-to, um, for anything parts or gear related. Um, they've got a, uh, an actual, like a retail, um, store at their warehouse in Burley, which is very convenient for me because I live in Burley. Um, but they've pretty much got the, the largest range of aftermarket parts and accessories, um, in Australia in the way that they run the business, the, uh, like the customer service, uh, just like the general experience that you get with MX Store plus the amount of support they pump back into the sport uh, is, yeah, one of the reasons why I really enjoy working with these guys. Uh, secondly, uh, we're brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Uh, if you haven't checked out rivalincdesignco.com, uh, then you're missing out. They are true innovators in the graphics game, um, graphics, plastics, jersey prints, the whole deal. Um, they do uh, like the numbers on the back of jerseys. They, they basically do everything uh, and they pretty much do everything first. Um, you can use the promo code GYPSYGANG and get 15% off your order. Also, like to thank the guys at Nobby Nation. Uh, if you are riding motocross and you're not wearing nobbies, then you're doing your junk a massive disservice. They, um, they're yeah, extremely comfortable, extremely durable, uh, moisture wicking. Uh, they've they're about as high tech as undies get. Um, they've got an antibacterial fabric, like everything that you can think of. Um, underwear-wise and for performance, uh, the guys at Nobby have thought of that and put into um, into their product. Uh, Rob is a moto dude from way back, so that's like his first passion. Um, so, I mean, even though Nobby isn't exactly a moto brand, um, Rob and, and his team are full like moto dudes. Um, they support the OzX Open. They support the New Zealand Supercross. They, they give back as well um, to our sport, which is totally, um, yeah, what we're all about here as well. Uh, and then finally, the guys at Boost Mobile, uh, basically Australia's best prepaid uh, phone plan uh, provider, phone provider. Um, they're on the full Telstra 4G network. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast since the start, you'd know that uh, the Boost guys have been on board with us. Uh, you can go to boost.com.au, check out their prepaid plans, uh, and there's no excuse because you can switch your old number over. I actually did that um, to my uh, current um, deal with Boost now. So uh, you don't have to lose your number. You can get off a contract and onto prepaid, which is definitely the way to go with the plans that those guys offer. All right. Uh, thanks very much uh, for everybody listening. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a like, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff. That helps us out. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram at Gypsy, Gypsy Tales Podcast. 
and you will see a link in our bio to our Gypsy Gang merch um, that we're pretty excited about it. Um, thank you very much for watching as always uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. Righto, Gypsy Gang, uh, special edition uh, of the uh, Motocross Companion for this week. After Parlor Raceway, we have James Berger joining us today, mate, to talk all three things motocross. Welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Um, so how this has all come about is uh, our good mate and mutual friend, Joel from Rival Inc., um, who's also a sponsor of this show. Uh, he said that I've got to get you on the show because you know everything about everything when it comes to motocross. And the man bought notes, Mick. We're stepping up in the world. Notes or an encyclopedia? Yeah, so he's got it. It's good. He's got it all. So we're, um, yeah, we're two rounds deep into the motocross series now. Um, We were sort of texting each other. We'd obviously got up pretty early to watch the the races. Um, What did you make of Parla? Well, I think Parla is a pretty interesting round. Obviously, it's 2011, I think was the last time we had an event there. And it always had produced really good racing because it was a sort of track where it breaks the mold of the normal tracks for the US motocross nationals. Mm. Uh, it's a little bit more supercrossy. It, it traditionally has had pretty big jumps and different riders tend to shine there. Like Dean Wilson's had some really good results there previously and it, it was a little bit of a different event mm. as opposed to, and, and by the same way of Glen Helen, like it, it creates some different results. Um, it probably fitted a little bit more into the norm of, the, of what we're used to seeing with MX nationals tracks mm. um so that's a little bit different to the to rounds we had you know 10 years ago but the racing was good i think normally we go to this first round at, at hangtown for the past 10 seasons or whatever it's been at hangtown and hangtown has always produced some really unusual results whether it's the new young star that comes straight out of mm. loretta's and, and has a great event or uh you know someone who's had an off supercross series and then and then has a breakout ride because they've been concentrating on outdoor testing or whatever or someone who's done really well in supercross has been focused on finishing out the supercross series mm. has the supercross hangover and, and then doesn't do well so traditionally you go to round two whether it be glenn helen or, or or anything like that and we see a little bit more normality in the series Maybe not so much this year because Hangtown wasn't crazy as far as results is concerned. Yeah. It was kind of what we would expect. Uh, obviously, a little bit of fluctuation, some positives, maybe some not so positives for some of the riders. But overall, it was a little bit more consistent. We haven't had that crazy breakout uh, of, of any one rider that was unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think that um, th- it was a. I think that playing into that and I think we're probably going to see like the hangover sort of go into motocross a few rounds deeper this year is because this year it was so wide open I mean we only saw Marv dip out of the championship with two rounds to go Um, Cooper was obviously in there the whole time Eli had a fighting chance the whole time Uh, Zach Osborne who I think is going to become a major player in this championship I think Zach was like really hunting wins and and podiums uh, in Supercross so I think that I think we had like a special Supercross season this year and I think that is like gonna not take away from motocross but I think it's gonna impact I think Supercross will impact motocross for a, a bit longer this year than what it has in years past because like you'd see dudes that would really check out of the season in um in Supercross and just like start riding moto for ages and I just don't think anyone really did that this year and I think a, a bit of that too is uh you got teams that are f- focusing on their one guy so like a, a lot of times you'd sort of see teams with like if they've dipped out of the championship they can sort of go and put their effort into other guys or whatever that's I don't think that happened in this season I think it was like still all hands on deck and even with Coop being so close to the title um they were having like Frankie Latham do work for Coop once Marvin dipped out so I think that there was so much invested by like teams that were sort of still in the hunt that a lot of the the motocross stuff went sort of by the wayside. It, it was an unusual Supercross series. Like the fact that Coop has had two really off years like on the Yamaha and then he he didn't come out of the blocks flat out at A1. Like it was a really strong result. It was, you know, he had a poor start and, and came through the field and it perhaps was a little bit understated how good the result it was, was in round man, one. Yeah. And and by the time we got to round five, round six, and he really started to shine and, and that close victory that he had at Kenny to, to get the first overall. Um it was a little bit unexpected. Like no one, I don't think anyone really would have put money on Coop winning mm, the title no. on his third year on 450 after those first Who two years. Who said that to me the other day? Uh, bloody, you know, Sam's the guy that works for Sam, Jamie. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I knew Coop was going to win. And uh, I'm like, no. fuck off, bro. Like, no. no one knew. Like, Roger DeCosta didn't know, all right? No one knew Coop was going to win. That was dumb money. If you put money on Coop, that was dumb money. That dumb luck. I, I think, too, because because no one expected him to win, we got so deep into the series. And I think everyone was just waiting for him yeah, to have that yeah. horrible race. Like, that's Coop's going to break or DNF. didn't put the effort into outdoors because they were like, he's going to slip up, man. It's going to happen. Exactly right. And that was the point I was trying to support we, that you made is that because it was such an unusual uh, series of events that led to him leading the championship, I think all these other competitors, whether it be Marv or Tomac or even some of these other, you know, Roxon, who had the red plate for many, many rounds, they stayed really, really focused. They all thought they were in, in the hunt. You know, it was only four rounds to go really when K-Rock dropped out of the title and two or three rounds to go when really Marvin became mm. unachievable and, and and theoretically, you know, Tomac was in the hunt until the last race, one or two points or whatever um, Coop had to get at Vegas. So the preparation for outdoors was really broken. Like normally by the mm. time we get to round 12. Dude, a lot of times by the time they go east, dudes are starting to do some more outdoor stuff. Exactly right. So... I think we've had a little unusual start, but what makes it unusual is that it hasn't been unusual. We mm. haven't had those breakouts, uh, maybe in the 250 class a little bit more so, but but in the 450 class, in reality, there hasn't been that breakout unusual guy, like with the exception maybe of Anderson, who has had time to prepare mm. on, and, and he's, there's mixed reports on how long he's actually been riding before. Uh, before I think he's down. been riding longer than he said. Yeah, like, I mean, he's gonna play it down, isn't he? And yeah. say, oh, I got on the bike two weeks ago, but but he looked prepared and he had a, a you know great event in Hangtown. Yeah. Um, so he's maybe the biggest surprise, because if you believe the the hype that he hadn't been riding, then then maybe he was the surprise of Hangtown. But but it's, the, the unusual part of this season, this season is that it's not that unusual. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of business as usual. Like. Exactly right. Like it, it was, hasn't hasn't been crazy. It was weird that the the track prep because so like that's what I was saying to Mick like when we did the last show. I was like, dude, Parlor, like the track is so gnarly. Like it looks like this dream dirt, and it is probably the best dirt in Southern California. But like they just they didn't prep it and like the years so i was there in 2010 and 11 and when dino won was just like he was fucking ripping dude like and it was so technical the track and and not technical in terms of like jumps or um you know anything anything that you would normally associate a technical track with but it's just the dirt and how thick it is how deep the ruts get and it just it's it's like sort of like a sand track, but without it actually being a, a sand track. Yeah. And uh, then this, and I think that that's like one of the best things about the track. And they just didn't rip it. Like it was dusty. I was like, why not, man? Like, but I think that a lot of people complain that it got too rough for those last nationals. But like, what is too rough? You exactly. know, in the in the, that level of the sport, like I want it to be as gnarly as possible. And, and perhaps there's almost fall into this cookie cutter of the tracks now like the prep yeah. has become so similar especially on the east coast the preps become so similar and, and whether they add sawdust or sand or something to make the soil more loose they become really standardized with the exception of a couple of unique south yeah. unidella washugal. washugal especially because it gets slick um, so maybe the, the thought was is that they didn't want to rip it so deep and become that standard east coast yeah you know rip deep track Especially because obviously Parlor can be fairly fast. It's it's a it's a, it was, it's a fast it track. Was super fast. So maybe that maybe that's what they were trying to avoid. If they don't rip it so deep and it doesn't get as rough, then the speed is not as much of a concern. So yeah, yeah, maybe there's some validity to the way they approached it, but perhaps it made the racing not as exciting because there wasn't as much dicing. But in conflict with that, we saw the results of Moto One in two fifty, where you less than four, less than him, four yeah. seconds for five riders. Yeah, at the end of thirty three minutes or whatever the Moto went for, like that's that's kind of unheard of. There is this weird thing that I get where like I want the dudes to be, I want the good guys to separate, but then I also want to see like a finish like we got in that first Moto. Have mm. you watched them yet? Yeah, I saved Dealers away. I watched the highlights package for it. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like you. I selfishly want it to be like as rough and as gnarly as possible but then when you do that you get like the Chad Ricky James effect in Supercross and it's like three dudes can ride the whoops and then everyone else sucks so it's like I don't know I go back and forward with like wanting that but I don't think that the track prep hurt the racing I think we got like really good racing um, and it, it's 
it's weird though because it's like how much of like can we even bank on any of these results now because it's like it was it was a pretty much a highway and those dudes just sort of hanging it out in addition to the smooth prep it was 21 degrees yeah it wasn't hot eh? Yeah, like so like obviously these guys anyone that's in that 40 man gate like they're pretty bad dudes yeah you know, even the guy getting 40th and it's eight seconds a lap off the pace like he's a bad dude and the reality is is that it wasn't that hot so that lingering issue that that k-rock was dealing with in supercross and we don't know how serious it is because he hasn't fallen off the pace from a fitness point of view at either of these first two rounds. I, I don't think he had the intensity in that second moto, though. I reckon he, f- I, I reckon he fell a bit more flat than what we've seen him in that second moto. What and I, then- what I wonder about K Rock though, we saw it really specifically at Hangtown and Moto Two. Was that he looked conservative in approach? Yeah, the, you the never con- know that now with him, eh? The, the conditions got really hard at Hangtown, so I wonder if we, if we if we go back to pre arm injury Roxon like up yeah. to you know, race 3 2017 the dude was fuck. just yeah. on it like crazy ball speed on it all the time and he hasn't shown that level of speed and we don't know whether it's by choice or whether he's you know fear is more of an option or, or any of these things but we haven't seen that just crazy balls yeah. K-Rock just hold the thing wide open speed maybe his approach to racing is different obviously his mindset could be different he's been dealing with some personal issues you know Blake got hurt this year yeah, who he's obviously yeah. really close with um, you know, he's trainer and, and brother-in-law so maybe his approach to the series is different we sort of saw that in Supercross he didn't really do anything crazy he was a lot more consistent than we would have expected I feel like there was more of a mental block going on than like I think that he made it out like he was being conservative and uh, playing it safe but knowing him I think that there was more of like he that's all he had and like he was trying and there's something blocking it and I think that I think that's like the reality of the situation and I don't want to say that as a guy that wants to see him win like and the, the dude's my friend like I I just genuinely know that like he's not the type of person that like wants to get beat the way he got beat or couldn't charge to the front the way that like some of those results in the middle of the season or even like he got that second like he doesn't want that man like there's no way that he's going like i'm just going to be consistent like he wants to win a race again in supercross so bad so like i just i don't know if i buy that i think that i think that that's a pretty convenient um and a sensible fallback for when you are in the moto and when you are tired and it's not there and you're not making stuff happen the intensity level drops off i think that then that becomes a thing in his mind where he's like okay i'm just going to be consistent it's like a narrative it's like a narrative we've created it's a narrative he's going along with so i think that i think that i think we're the ones that as like on the media side of it that are like sort of given him that narrative like that's almost like this safety blanket now if it's a physical issue if he and and you know obviously he was had a big dose of antibiotics post San Diego Lyme issue, and then he got sick after that, and and obviously it's been was pretty hard on his on his body, and you could see the intensity go away from him in that month or two after San yeah. Diego. If he really is struggling from a physical ailment, when this series goes back east and it gets hot and muggy, yeah, it's gonna it's going to show, yeah. like it's really going to show, and that's going to answer all these questions. Like if he really is struggling from a physical preparation or physical state of being, it's going to show when it goes east. It gets hot. It gets into you know June July we're in the middle of summer it, it's going to be a different kettle of fish because it's been relatively cool these first two rounds I think it's going to answer a lot of questions yeah what year did Ken win the outdoors 15 16 on the Suzuki Six, yeah 16 can you go to YouTube and see if there's like a highlight I just want to see him ride there like a, a like a highlights from um what rate? What would be like a good like go Southwick like Ken Roxon Southwick or like four fifty AMA Southwick or something like that because I'd love to see um, Southwick sixteen. Is this one? Yeah, the, yeah, that yeah, one? yep, 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 yep. Let's play this. Oh, here we go. Because I just I'm just curious to like see this the style, you know. Because, like, this is... Tomac's not any slower. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you're seeing Tomac being worse of a rider here. Like, he's still this good. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think looking back to 2016, this was probably the best race Tomac had all year. Um, he like Tomac was amazing. Southwick 16, he was driving high in the berms, carrying corner speed. This was an amazing event for him. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's like the Ken that we're seeing right now is that I just wonder, like, is this dude different, you know? I suppose the, the question needs to be how much of it is physical and how much it is psychological. Yeah, that's he, what I'm saying. He's been through, you know, a tremendous you know, adversity over the last couple of years. Like, you know, the big injury in 2017, then hurting his arm again with Webb in, in 18. Can you just uh, mute that for us now, mate? To keep the video going, but yeah, as as well as as well as obviously the emotional and and psychological impact of Blake's injury and these other things yeah. that he's been dealing with, I think this is going to be a big year for Ken. Like how he finishes this outdoor series could be a bit of a a bit of a prelude in how he goes forward in his career. Yeah, yeah, no, I to- I totally agree. Like I'm I'm like, it's a weird thing where I, like, I'm happy for Ken as a human, and I'm almost sad for him as a competitor, because I feel like. Like, man, that motherfucker was wild. Like, when I first moved to America, like, we both moved there together and we lived across the road from each other and he stayed at our house 99% of the time. He was a wild kid. And the stuff, like, we'd go to the tracks and he was a wild kid there. And then you'd go out and he was a wild kid there. And he'd bring girls to the house and he was wild there. And it's like, that. there's a correlation be- between, I think, and not everybody, because you look at Tomac... And he's not that guy. Or you look at Dungey and he's not that like wild dude. But it's like the... Everyone has like their own thing that makes them great, right? And I think that as soon as you take the... You know, you break the horse. It's almost like that thing, that little bit, that that extra 1% that would let him, you know, do like this. Have this kind of moto. Is it's like, does that go away when you break the horse but it's like i think his life he's in a better place he's married now his wife's awesome that that's the savage family is a great family he's mending stuff with his dad he's got great people around him you know so it's like he's making a lot of money so it's like the dude in terms of like his life that he's got like i'm super happy for him he's really built a life but it's like can you be that you know can you play happy families and still be the savage that you need to be and like you look for instance like cooper like cooper's straight savage that's he's the he's the alpha dog in that in that park right now and it's like i just i just wonder with ken like and i think that you know it's you can have those narratives and you can say like well he's being more mature now but it's like I don't know if that's enough to win now, man. Yeah, maybe not. And and we go back, so 2016 Outdoors, he won 20 from 24 motos, I think. And I think this was one of the few events where he actually got schooled by Tomac at, at Southwick. And then we go into 17 Supercross Series, and at A1, he just made the field look silly. We went to San Diego, and he made the field look silly. And then even at A2, when he got hurt... He like was he, killing he, he was the class of the field. Like, he was a V class of the field that night, and I will remember that night being there Oh, forever. were you there Yeah, yeah, yeah. No we were there shit. for that round, yeah. Actually, Joel and the boys were there as well for really? Marvel. Yeah, yeah so, right. Uh, that was when they were first expanding in the US market, so yeah, we all okay. happened to be there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a pretty serious night. Like, that, that's going to forever oh, have an impact on his career, like, for the rest of his career. Man, the, the crazy one I was there for was when Trey Kennard got jumped on that was like right in front of me dude like we were sitting there like they had the industry seating there and that was like the heaviest night dude like you could feel like you just knew what that meant you know and like canard never came back from that exactly right exactly right so i mean and and if it's not the standalone event because then obviously he got hurt again last year yeah and then what happened to blake like this this there's a lot of things that are going to have an impact on his career and like I'm a K Rock fan and have been since day dot as a 16 year old kid. Yeah, yeah, on an RMZ 250 that killing it. Uh, but let's see. This this is going to be a big year for yeah, him. Yeah, I think so. From what I see, you know, on the outside, this is a big year for him. He's got another three years with Honda. No doubt, they ponied up. He's getting paid. He's got a long term relationship with Fox. There's there's you know he's oh he's he, sorted. He, yeah. He's dialed like financially. He's now sorted. But how's this next three year uh, contract extension going to go? I think this year's going to answer a lot of questions. I'd like to yeah. pose a bit of a question to you both. And obviously there's outside influences there with maybe there's an illness, maybe there's obviously a recovery from injury. How would we see a Ken Roxon on a KTM at the moment? Would there be a difference? Uh, I don't know that. I think just from, it's a, that there's a structure issue at mm. KTM that 
I I don't think he like I know he did, he just didn't enjoy. But oh, I prob- wonder probably now, not so much contract all that time. But I mean riding just that the motorcycle away from the Honda, like he's beating his teammate, he's doing all the things he needs to do in that period of time. What would Ken Roxton be like on the KTM? Would there be a better? Would it be a better fit Man, again? Uh, there very well could be a. Eh? Yeah. Like I, I'm not sure. Like mm. I'd be so. It would be so hard to. It's hard to picture, obviously, yeah. but I, I just wonder, you know, as well. Yeah. No. I mean, it's a. It's a super good point. Like from so. I mean, I said it on here last week. Like you talked to Todd, and Todd rode factory Hondas in the in Europe, and he said that his stock KTM, his stock Husky is better than the factory Honda that he rode in Europe. So it's like, oh, it's fucking crazy, yeah. dude. And it's crazy to think that a bike can be that much better than what, like, Honda, like a multi-billion dollar corporation can make. Like, that's a trip, dude. I think they have such a unique approach to how they run a business. They, yeah. they broke the mold on motorcycle manufacturers and they're, they're obviously a relatively small company from a corporate structure compared to their Japanese competitors. You, know, you look at any of the big Japanese companies, they're... they're recreational products or motorcycles and watercraft and ATV and all these other things they make is yeah. makes up such a small percentage. I think with Kawasaki, I was reading once that Kawasaki Heavy Industries, their recreational products division is less than 1% of their gross revenue for the year. Yeah. So th- th- this, this is a big corporate giant. Um, one of the advantages that the KDM group's got is that it is relatively small, though it's a big company and they can make changes on the fly. Like you look when they first signed Dungey and they didn't even have a bike built. Like they were still dealing with the prototype stage and he was racing that motorcycle the next year. They got it through homologation. They have the ability to rush these things through. They're obviously pretty flexible and and by moving Roger up the the corporate chain and now Ian's way more involved with the management of the team day to day. Like the way they're approaching it, you can't argue with it. They're Mm. they're having a lot of success. So um, like, you know, Kenny took a step backwards Back to back to your question, Mick. Kenny took a step backwards when he joined RCH, which was obviously a really big contract year, you know, yeah. a privately funded team with Suzuki factory support. He took a step backwards that that first Supercross season on the RMZ. Well, in his head though, like he was taking a step forward because he didn't like that KTM, mm. and in his head he was just like so hell bent on getting back on a on a Suzuki. And like, man, you see it happen with all those dudes. Like you talk to anyone that changes and they're like, Oh dude, it's so much better. Like there's just that in, this is banging a new chick, you know, but then it's, <laughs> that's always good for like the first couple rides, but then it's just the same, you know, then the fucking, you'll see a bit of spinach in the teeth and hmm. from the milkshake and the, the smoothie in the morning. But it's like, that's what, that's what happens with all those dudes. You know, like Kenny genuinely thought, he was taking a, a step forward and like my whole life's been on Suzuki's blah, blah, blah. Like athletes are crazy, man. Like they're very fickle, fickle individuals in terms of like what they think they need to get the most out of them, you know? Even like w- with Ricky with his settings and it's like no one would ride that bike but he told himself that's what he needed. Ricky with orange gear? Yeah, same shit, man. Tiger Woods with red on Sundays. Like they're just weirdos. Yeah, exactly <laughs> Brilliant right. weirdos. And, and, and those guys at that top level and there's probably no... Uh, better example of this than than Chad. He's so psychologically strong. Like yeah. we look back to the, the 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 glory years where we had those three top competitors with 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 Ricky and and James as uh, as as Chad's competitors. And like Chad would go to an event and get schooled by the mm. two best motorcycle riders of all time, and come to the line seven days later, and in his mind he was going to go and smoke yeah, those guys. Than him, yeah. So these guys are a special they're a special breed they're a special creature yeah. um, and I suppose they make a lot of these decisions based on the way they approach it and, and maybe different to mere mortals like you and I but yeah exactly uh, that's th- why th- they're different yeah that's why they're different guys it would be it would be interesting like to, for for Ken to jump on that bike or have some time on that bike you know because yeah. like well when Sleeter was on the podcast did you listen to that one with him I, I haven't heard that one yet dude that's like he's a gnarly dude but like for him to say like just how good those bikes are and like he is not full of shit like he will be honest and for just the like the weight that they've dropped off those things and like they're adding weight in certain places just so they meet the minimum weight requirement like some crazy shit going on under the hood eh and like for those guys that are just all about feel and feelings that come back um, through the bike then it's just like but then that being said like Chad hated that Husky last year yeah yeah it's 
and so, that bike was the bike that won the title and individual feel obviously it yeah. just comes back back to that as well but but yeah. ken like ken's bike's like a weird setup like he's another dude that has a really weird setup and i think that i think that um part of the reason he had that big crash was that he sort of just put that setup into that bike without really understanding how it was going to react because again todd rode um kenny's setup basically in um the u.s and was just like he was like fuck bro how did he do that like how does he ride that thing well the first time kenny got on that new honda was at monster cup that must be the yeah, 16 and who did we know that it was a weird bike setup or just a, a, a freak crash but yeah yeah, he came out of those first two rounds in 17 and, and just laid wood to the field, like made him look silly. So, you know, from the outside, it looked like, well, he really has got his setup dial because no one comes near him. And then obviously he got hurt at A2. So yeah. who will know Who will know whatever happened in that series? Um, it could have been a very different outcome for, for K-Rock if that crash hadn't happened. Oh, if that dude, if that crash doesn't happen and he goes a lot, like he wins that series. Like he was so much better than everybody. And again, like with Tomac, like I think it's what, like, he just I don't think he's better or worse he's the same dude like he's that good all the time I think what varies from weekend to weekend is like he doesn't change his style I don't think he adapts his riding to tracks I don't think he adapts to conditions I think he just fucking sends it all the time and it, it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and that's it exactly right so sometimes it works awesome and you and you can tell like he's one rider who more than anyone you can visually see yeah. when the when the when, when that's working on. when that combination's working because there's no doubt he puts effort in. There's no doubt oh, that he's yeah. a, an, ama- an amazing athlete. But when he's when the combination of his setup and his riding style and the way that he approaches it works in that in that no set one of circuit, beats him. the dude is amazing. Like yeah. he, he he's super impressive. He's all time speed. Um, well, but, I think but when it doesn't work, it's bizarre to watch because he's still putting the effort in. But it's like it's like there's a piece of the puzzle missing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's like he's just got two left boots on. It's it just it's weird, and like yeah. you see him in an event, and he just doesn't even look like the same guy. But you can see he's putting the effort in, but it's pushing the front. He's blowing over berms, yeah. and just making all these silly mistakes. Looks like a rookie, and 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 maybe that's a good point. Like he he just that's the way he rides the motorcycle. Yeah, that's, that's the way it. the motorcycle set up. Yeah, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, we just ride through it. Dude, you know who else was like that? Was Jay Marmont. Like, whenever I'd watch Jay ride, like, when he was on CDR and he won those three championships in a row, like, he just rode the same. And there were times, like, and Mossy's the same. Uh, I would, like, you'd see Jay coming out of some turns and, like, literally, like, wrestling the bike. And it's, like, because there was no specific technique. You didn't adapt to this particular turn or section at all. You rode it and then you just fought it. And either you win the fight or you lose the fight. And I think and a lot of it... That's a, the attitude that these guys a, have. A lot of it that can change this approach is bike setup because when you get to that level and there is so many variables that are adjustable, like, okay, so yeah, too, under AMA rules, much, yeah. they, they have to run OEM swing arm cases and frame, but obviously there's some some gray area in the, with the rules, but you start talking about like pivot bolt thickness and, and fork offset and then all the suspension variables that can be adjusted. And I think if a rider doesn't really grasp the technical side of it, they, they they test themselves backwards. Yeah, they they all do. And, and if they and if they if they fall in that trap where they start testing themselves backwards, and maybe Eli's been through this, so he goes, okay, I've got this set up, I know it works, this is what we run. Because if he searches for improvements and performance, perhaps he's he's, he's testing himself backwards, and and I, that would be pretty scary at that level. Dude, I saw Dunge one day we were at Carmichael's, and Dunge rode out of the thing, and we were we were there filming with Ricky. And so Dunge rides out. This is when um, when Big Rick was his mechanic, like practice bike mechanic. Rides out, does a couple corners, comes back in. He's like, I need you to change the sag half a mil. And Ricky just blew up, dude. And I was just like, God damn, Ricky's ruthless. But he he like he's like half a mil sag. Really, you, you can tell half a mil a sag from that little quarter lap that you did. He's like, dude, you're kidding yourself. And like, say so it was he he went on a bit of a rant at him, but like. It's it's funny because when I was with JDR, you would hear like so. Nate Ramsey is one of the guys. It's like a brilliant tester. Uh, uh, Ivan Tedesco, brilliant tester. Travis Short, brilliant tester. Apparently Ernesto Fonseca was really good as well. So you've only got like mm. in this whole sort of era of riders, and Mike Sleater, amazing test rider. That 
that guy, for whatever reason, is so in tune with the motorcycle that he can develop a motorcycle from from scratch. And he'd have, uh, on the podcast, he was saying he had times where Dunge would get so lost with setup that he'd ride their bike because there, it was two separate. It was R&D US and then the race team and they'd both do their own their own stuff yeah and then like he'd get so lost that he'd come back to that bike and go all right just let's start from here and then we'll go again because there is just too many variables and you know pro circuit they only give they'll go there's an a and b and you get a and b engine uh a and b suspension uh a and b chassis a and b whatever uh and that's it you literally can go if you're austin faulkner you go i like suspension a uh, chassis A, motor B, and whatever. Like, that's all they get. And that's probably why that team has done so well. I was going to say, it's proven. And the reality is, too, you got to look at the, the, the riders they have on the team. Like, I mean, Pro Circuit, for example, has always got the, the team green kid that's straight at, straight from Loretta's. And that's a skill that a rider is going to take years to develop, mm. to learn how to test. So by not giving those thousands of options that are available for these factory teams is, is probably a really positive step forward and, and you know give them basic choices and set the bike up so it works better for that rider but don't let them test themselves into oblivion well I think too that you you ruin these kids at such a young age with um, with like all of the you know oh we got to test this and like pff, the kids don't know what they're talking about you know and I think that when you strive to give yourself you give your kids the best of everything and you're like bolting something on just because it is bigger and better and whatever like you don't know dude straight up jackson richardson won a national title at coolham and i pushed his 85 into the they had their van i pushed it into the van and his fucking headset was fully loose like his the triple clamp the whole headset it was going backwards and forwards and i was like what happened to that and he's like oh yeah it was like that all day won a national championship so it just goes to show you what kids know. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, but once you start, like you see the mini dads and they're like making these kids test and there's so much pressure on them to like give an answer that they're just like, oh yeah, it's way better. Or no, nah, it's not as good, you know? And then you just start believing the, like believing the bullshit that you're sort of spinning. I don't know is still an answer. Yeah. And that's, I think where a lot of the kids go wrong. I don't know. I can't feel the difference. And I think that's people, what you should say. Yeah. People forget to like the variables as well. Like every track's different. On the track every changes, time of the day, every lap, it changes. Man. Like there's so many variables as well. Like you need to be a tester that understands everything like yeah. that. A lot of races that can't test any, like whether it's road or dirt, they just can't test anything no. like that. So yeah, it's a, it's it's its own trade basically. There's only a very, very few that can do it. Oh yeah, a handful, mm. man. There's mm. only a handful. Um, do you want to pull up the parlor highlights? And we'll yeah, just give sure. them a little cheeky watch. Um, yeah, bro, that was a good tangent we just went on. Um, yeah, no, it is, it is it is crazy the the way that um, you can f- get lost in the source when it comes to that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing with Eli um, is that yeah, like that because that's like one of the questions people ask me the most is about Eli. Where'd that volume go on that? I muted it. Oh, oh, oh on the thing, yeah. Oh yeah, skip all this bullshit. Um. Here we go. I need to um, text Davey and see if we can actually like use this footage. Or if they're going to... Dude, Cooper's the man, eh? I love that dude's style. Hunter had a blinder in that second moto, man. Dude, well, I guess we're going to stand alone and talk about that. But, oh my God, he looked so good in that second moto before he crashed. One, one thing, talking about the crash there... Um, when they when when he was walking back to the pits and the the pit reporter grabbed him, he made comment, and I'm not sure if anyone noticed it or if I misunderstood what he said. But the way that he described the problem with the motorcycle, why it didn't restart, he said that it had crankcase damage or oil filler damage, and it was losing oil. And the way he described it, it was like the bike had a problem before the accident. And if you look the lap before, the bike went off the pace. He he lost a lot of a lot of a lot of ground. Oh, really? And from what what I saw from it was that. The motorcycle had a mechanical problem. In the first moto. In the first yeah, moto, yeah. and he slowed, and that's why he oh, had the crash, had with, the crash Smith. with Yeah, go because, back. Can, can you go Smith back to that then, man? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd make sense, because it didn't, it just didn't make sense that, like, Jordans wouldn't make a mistake like that. You know what I mean? And it was... Yeah, go back a little bit. Like, you, riders just don't run into each other like that. And it's such so an unusual, it's such an unusual crash. Yeah, like, he looked, like, he did look slow, eh? 
like really slow coming out of there well even the whole lap before like he lost a lot of ground and he didn't look like himself he didn't look aggressive he looked really sort of subdue on the bike yeah yeah and for me when i heard him say that it started to make sense because it was yeah, such an yeah. unusual crash yeah no you're right yeah you just don't you don't see dudes that are that good like because essentially like that crash happened because jordan smith mistimed uh hunter's exit of that turn like either he's gonna mentally know that yes i'm gonna carry enough speed to come out in front or he's gonna come out in front and this line will be fine you don't make a judgment error that's that like that significant i don't reckon so yeah that makes sense now that you Def- say that definitely does point to something like that then doesn't it yeah just it was just the so way he worded pause, it was the way he worded it pause it all right so first moto uh we've got justin cooper who put a waxing on the field he was two seconds a lot faster man because i think i looked at wilson's um i looked at wilson's um lap times and he was six seconds off cooper i think in qualifying yeah um i think he was two and a half seconds in time qualifying uh, so I think he was two and a half seconds faster than AC in yep. second. And I think he was six seconds faster than Wilson Todd. So like he was moving, dude. Um, RJ Hampshire, that's a pretty good showing for him. Um, he was solid, man. Like the whole, that whole top four, top five. Well, really, realistically, it was a top five that was super close. Um, and then you're going into Christian Craig, very like lackluster sort of season for him so far. Ferrandis, I'm pretty surprised by. I thought that he would be a little bit faster but like I think me and Mick talked about this last week like who gives a fuck yeah. you just want a Supergirls title bruh I'll be going to Hawaii Tahiti I'd be taking my chick and just <laughs> banging it out I'd be doing 20 I'd go 24 and 0 on that train before <laughs> I even thought about riding another motocross bike so tell you what's really exciting for the sport too is just the, the brands like look at the brands there like yeah, how yeah. often do you see a spread of brands up the top like that no, you're so right. And, and even weirder to see a Suzuki in the top 10. And, 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 no not, and not a KTM. Yeah, no Oh, KTMs. yeah, no KTM in there. That's, like, super weird. That's an anomaly for the, for the lights class. Man, it, it, I um I think that the boys are struggling with the, the new bike for whatever reason, but I don't, I don't buy it. I think that Shane and Jordan are having some, I guess, personal... Not personal issues as in, like, off the track, but I just don't think they're where they need to be, which is unfortunate because... Man, like, we talked about this a bunch, like, in the Supercross Companions, but, like, mm. talk about a team that's got, like, every single thing to succeed. Perfect like, recipe. Yeah, yeah, they're on a KTM. they got Tyler Keefe, who's, like, I think is one of the coolest dudes in the pits, like, one of the most level-headed, um, down-to-earth, like, riders can relate to him. He's a young dude. He's a super cool dude. And it's, like, they've got all this, They're you know, all the great backing. they got Red Bull. they got the Troy League. And it's just, like, they're just haven't produced it, it's like, like a, they've got all the pieces of the puzzle and they just haven't worked out how to put them together correctly yeah, yeah like but i just man it's such a hard deal like you look at the dudes that are up there like you know but then i don't know man saying that it's like what's to say that you know justin cooper's not this insane standout colt nichols isn't this crazy standout you know like it's not like we're just seeing this top 10 that's just packed with prodigies like ac is a prodigy for sure um you know other than that it's like they're all just hard working dudes that have like uh, that are riding super fast this this could be a really interesting series for cooper because because justin cooper last year showed flashes of brilliance mm. but flashes that was it yeah um couldn't really close there was the no deal. sustained excellence yeah, could, couldn't close the deal just flashes of brilliance obviously had raw speed you know round one he, he showed really good speed and won a moto and and had a the fact that he backed it up at round two like yeah you, in this moto especially that was that's really impressive moving forward he could become like he could become an all-time lights rider he could become a great 250 mm. rider you know separate himself from the from the rjs and the sextons and and those guys that are just that tick off being like all time yeah, yeah uh it's such a it's yeah obviously there's a lot of talent in that class there's there's, there's big teams there's big budgets it's there's a lot of depth there perhaps a lot more depth even in the 450 class yeah but I feel um, like there always is though yeah exactly right because the, because of the class structure because of the split east west and supercross all the manufacturers want good representation on both coasts yeah. you go outdoors you've got twice as big a team so reality is it's it's always really really deep at the top that 250 class and he's 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 taking that yeah, step forward and really edge, yeah, yeah edge like, forward. T- take a, a step away from the crowd yeah no that makes sense play that now Mick Moose 
Yeah, this was another cool moto, dude. I love that jump, dude. Like this is pinned. Like this is just a this is straight rhythm right now. It's like a like a this is slight bend rhythm. Yeah, how weird was that? That moose coming out like Pull that. The moose out. Ben Lemay has been like a top ten dude, pretty much every moto except for that. Man, you know what else that I don't think got mentioned enough was Lapis A. Like in this moto, Ken got jacked by Lapis at that one point there. Eh? I feel like Kenny could have won this moto with a bit better luck, Lapper wise. But I mean, that's just sort of that's just how it goes, you know. And looking at this 450 class, like, what's next for Marv? Man, uh, we've been saying that, eh? Like, we've been talking about it. Like, what else can he have to, like, it's all there and he's just not doing anything with it. Like, he, I mean, it, like, Marv's not a young guy. He's one of the oldest guys in the class. Like, he, you know, he, he's older than Dungey. Yeah. Um, or the same age as Dungey. So, you know, he's played that bridesmaids role both in Supercross and, and Nationals yeah. now in 450 for so long. When's he going to lose? When's that window going to close where he can win a win a title? So, you know, we talked about K Rock before. This is a bit of a make or break year for the future of his career. I think even more so for Marvin because if Marvin can't get it done, perhaps he'll never get it done. And it, it's no disrespect to him. He's an amazing athlete. He's got the most unbelievable throttle control and technique on a motorcycle. But who would have thought? We're what five years deep on his 450 career now, and he hasn't won a 450 yeah. national championship. And, and K Rock has two. So it's almost, I hate to use the word disappointment, but it's nearly almost disappointing for him I to be in that situation. I just don't think that he's good enough to win. Like at the end of the day, like I think that he's amazing and the technical ability and it, there's just that level. There's, there's just levels, man. Like there's just levels. And, you know, you see like, you see in so many other sports too, where it's like, um, I mean, you know, jiu-jitsu is like a good example. There's some guys where it's it's so clear because it's like just such an individual sport that's like, it's only a human thing. It's not, there's no motors. There's no, there's nothing else involved in it. Like all fighting combat is like that. You know, a perfect example, Daniel Cormier versus John Jones. Mm. Daniel Cormier beats everybody else in the world. Can't beat that one dude. Just can't beat. He's just not, he is not good enough to beat that one guy. And it's like at that, the level that these dudes are riding at, the, the stakes are the high, every, everything is at the, the red line of human performance on a, on a motocross bike, in a, whether it's in a stadium or outdoors. You're just going to have dudes that you just can't beat. And it's like, Chad was, Chad's like the one dude that I think beat the guys that he shouldn't have beat, if that makes sense. Like to have seasons where, like if if you put James and Chad on a bike, ninety nine times out of a hundred, James is going to have a better lap time, or is going to do the bigger section. But, and but not even just Chad, any person ever to ride a yeah, yeah, bike yeah. in the history of the sport. And that but that's what I'm saying. So like, but that's the level, right? And then so you you add Marv. So it's like I just think we're looking at the same thing. Or like you have like a dude like Wyndham. Wyndham never won a title. You know, and it's like he's will go down his history as one of the best dudes to ever ride a motorcycle. Mm. Everybody's favorite person to watch ride a motorcycle. He just wasn't good enough, and but, it's like it sucks that that is the case. And it's like I think that you know you always want to wonder, and when a guy can go out and win races, and the, the speed Marv showed this year, you're like, you know, oh, he's got everything there to win. And it's like, well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just doesn't have what it takes to, to get a, ch a like, championship. Like I've said like before on the show with you as well, like it's Denny Petros from MotoGP. Same, yeah. You've got this guy that's got the most amazing talent, comes second in so many titles, and has could become a world champion in a premier class, but there's just one little piece of that recipe that's missing. There's just something missing, missing yeah. You know, and... It, and I, I'm sad to say I think I don't know Marv's obviously got the talent but I don't think he's going to win one yeah I, don't, like I can't see it either at the moment he's, he's he's dicing for podium positions but we're about to add some more variables into this like Osborne's obviously going from strength yeah. to strength like Osborne's going to be a real candidate he doesn't have age on his side like he is an older guy for, for a rookie 450 rider yeah but you know we've got who knows what Savachi be doing out there now if he wasn't hurt like he had such an impressive Supercross series he was the, the standout rookie Plessinger, there's no doubt yeah. he has the ability to be one of those guys. Yeah, it's pretty easy for Marv to get buried from like being a podium dude to like just making the top five to 
you know that that's sort of the point then you, you know it's pretty pretty likely that chance we're going to add AC, AC to the yeah, exactly right and exactly exactly the point I was making and if you look at the evolving areas too like um, there's no one dominant rider currently there there's not a Dungy there's not a Villapoto no. there's no one that's just dominating the series that's going to take him back either like there's a big mixture of a lot of people that <laughs> just going to swamp him in that potentially swamp him in the pack and so much of this game that we play with motocross is like what, what time did you come up you know chad would have won eight fucking yep. titles if there wasn't two dudes called james stewart and ricky carmichael you know what i mean like there's the timing that's involved with this ac could have won more if he just didn't get injured one time dean wilson mm-hmm. that one crash with tomac like look at the trajectories of these careers like it's so i think that we take for granted how special a championship is and that's the thing with like with cooper's championship like that's what i was really when i we were talking about i was like this is so fucking special this is so for him to do what he just did from a four-year-old starting racing in north carolina to standing on that podium in vegas like that is a lifetime of work you're in the one percent of the one percent and it's like i mean it's our job to sit here and you know we want to talk and bench race but it's like at some point you've got to be the one i think you've just got to be like marv he's he's maybe he's not good enough yep you know it's not a sexy storyline and it's not but like you're right it's not getting any easier it, you know it's you about get, to get harder. That, yeah you get ac that's coming in and like he's gonna do some damage if he can stay healthy and it's like dude with hunter's performance like jesus if hunter wow. can ride like that consistently like the second moto man like well i mean we should keep playing this but um oh, actually dean ferris great ride from him before we go into that uh put it in a uh, another top 10 performance i think he's gonna get like better as the championship goes on too i think he's gonna get more dialed with the bike um and then todd shout out to todd because he was like 30th on the first lap of the mm. first 450 motor and i think he got 11th or 12th yeah i think he worked his way back up yeah top yeah top 15 he was definitely in the top 15 yeah. I think and that's what todd does todd does not give up like no nah, he, nah. he's a champion at that yeah savage um oh yeah they, oh, 16th i think the second motor he did better yeah second um, one was 11 i think he got to yeah yeah all right so here we go here yeah again like see shane out in front like you should be really doing good things with a start like that um yeah ac just looks so good man again a pretty crazy dude that the way that hunter caught him and like look where hunter is now like not even wasn't even in frame before i think it was like 10 minutes into the moto it it the whole the whole trajectory of the race changed because hunter came on song and, and they sort of really bunched up again at that at the front of the field um and it was funny that hip jump at the top of the hill for about maybe the three previous laps before he crashed every he lap he was coming around it was like man yeah. that is so cool and and ironically it's where he came unstuck yeah yeah so that um oh man i wish we could is that can you search like ac um uh hunter lawrence battle or something like that i wonder if anyone's posted that um because like just the way that he was riding dude was just like so ridiculously sick like he oh the you can just tell like there's a look guys have on on bikes and you know like they're going faster than somebody like everybody else and the amazing thing was like and obviously we can talk about hunter's ride in moto two because it was an amazing thing but probably one of the yeah, most this in- would be it, yeah. probably- oh, that's probably just the one thing probably one of the most impressive things for me in that moto was the fact that like hunter blew past ac and pulled a little bit of a lead on him but ac kept his composure and it's one thing he hasn't he hasn't been good at in the past up till this year is he kept it under control he didn't just try and crazy ball speed it to 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 blow past him again and he kept it under control first time hunter's led an ama national moto and you know he made a small mistake yeah no i totally i totally agree but he he kept it yeah he, he definitely kept it in check but i think man there's got to be a part of that with like just how good he was riding you're like oh, okay well i'm not i'm not doing that you know like i can't i can't do that and it's i'm glad that hunter's crash wasn't a crash of riding over his head because the the four or five laps that hunter was behind adam i'm like dude he's got more in the tank like he's doing this really easy um so yeah i think that's like that's an exciting thing for this um i think it's good too like 
this might sound like a bit of a cop out or counterintuitive or whatever, but I sort of like when someone in their rookie season is like out of the championship. Absolutely, because like take, early, it's like ta- all the pressure's off. Ta- takes the pressure off. Um, you know, and he, he's he's fifty one points out of the championship, right? Like, you know, so yeah, it's, okay. It's it's a, it's a big gap that is not going to get overcome in the next twenty motos. Nah, not with AC yeah, right now. Let, 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 let's be realistic. Something weird's going to have to happen for this championship to be yeah you know, to be to have a, him in the to picture. be achievable. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Um, the title I think is is going to be pretty unique with with the two fifties. Yeah, we've got uh, what seven points or six points six points from Cincerello to Cooper. Cooper's in a pretty unique situation, you know, for effectively, he's not a rookie, but he nearly is. Yeah. You know, he's done one full season. Um, you know, he, he's in a, a pretty unique situation. Ferrandis has had some up and down results. He got a seventh in one moto. Yeah, like, yeah But and, again, who cares? Yeah, ma- ma- and maybe yeah. it's a Supercross hangover and, yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe was, uh, maybe he didn't ride for two weeks. Maybe he was just... Uh, going 24-0 and on his going French Going 24-0, yeah, why not? Um, but, you know, he's, he's not out of it. It's 22 points after four motos. Like it's, yeah. it's not a big deal. And, you know, he's, he's obviously, he's struggled right through his career, even in Europe. He's never been able to really finish out seasons. He's, he's been injury prone. And maybe he's got that same thing that Cincerello's going through. He's, he's matured a little bit. He's gotten older. He's understanding how to manage these, this long title. And, I mean, he, he's definitely in it. Like, he's still got to be oh, yeah, a, 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 an absolute... If not the favourite, then one of the favourites. Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I think this could turn into a really, really interesting championship. I think Colt Nichols has has shown uh, consistent speed, but whether he can run with those guys for the championship, we saw the same thing in Supercross. Like he had the red plate for a couple of rounds, but yeah. he's just that tick off, and maybe that'll come with time. But I just, I think for me with this two two fifty championship, I think AC's riding is on such another level um, that I think that. He will be the guy there every single week, and I think slowly, points-wise, he's just going to ride away from these guys. But in terms of the battles for moto wins and overalls and stuff like that, you're going to see like a Sexton will have a good result, a Ferrandis will have a good result, uh, Cooper will have a good result, Hunter will be there. But it's like I think they're going to have enough inconsistent motos to where it's sort of not going to matter. Like I just, I just don't see. So, like, if Cooper Webb was in there and it was Cooper and AC, like, I'm, like, really disappointed we never really got to see that. Mm. Like, we never got... Those two fucking hate each other. And, like, they spent their lives against each other. And, like, that was the classic, um, like, the Villapoto Alessi thing. And it's like, we got to see that play out and we got to see that score well and truly settled. It was... was, Like, now we're only seeing Coop sort of got the last laugh in a way because, like, like, did you hear his press conference comment about, like... He, he crumbled I didn't exactly, sort of thing exactly like right. he's still playing that shit but we are going to see it in the 450s for sure maybe that's just the story that's just like going you know deep is that we're it's like the longest build up we didn't get to see it in the lights but mm. we will get to see it in the 450s it's funny when he made that comment it brought me back to I think it was was 2011 was the first uh, first Monster Cup yep. in, in Vegas first time they went to Sam Boyd for that for that one off race and uh, they had a super mini race obviously as yeah. you know that, at the race and, and AC won it and, and Coop got second Yep. I think Coop was on the Honda 4-stroke at that stage still. Yeah, he was. And uh, after the event, we were at one of the bars in town, and I was talking to one of the guys from Parts Unlimited, one of the one of the Thor guys. Who sponsored Coop at the time. Who sponsored Coop at the time. And and he was just could had so much good to say about Cooper. And Cooper was kind of unknown, unless you really follow yeah. him racing. He, he wasn't AC. Like, AC had you know strong online presence with all the stuff that he used to do with DC and all these things. Yeah. Even as, like, as a 10-year-old kid, he was yep. a, you know, he was a media favorite. Yeah. Um, and, and Coop didn't have that. So it was sort of the first time, if you weren't really in the know, that you really took notice of it. And and, and this guy from Parts Unlimited made the comment like, no, he's going to beat AC. Like he will be, yeah. when they go pro, he's going to leave AC behind. And maybe his interpretation that is different to what really happened because AC's been held back by so many yeah. injuries and, and, and these other things that have affected him. But uh, when, he, when he said that in the press conference, it made me think back, what, nine years ago, yeah, oh, yeah. sitting in Vegas over a beer, bench racing, just like we're doing right now. And these guys were kids and it sort of came to fruition. It's crazy the stakes too. Like the, it just feels like, cause I was around Coop when he was young and Adam and it's like, you just feel the energy. You feel like there's such high stakes for this, these kids. And you're just like, this is fucking craziness. Like mm. this is really, they have like legitimate hatreds towards the families and they're like, you're just like, Jesus, this is heavy. But it's like, that's again what it takes to just be so on that like razor edge of like what's capable because like at the end of the day like i think we all lose perspective 
when we're watching these races it's like this is the edge this is the limit mm. you can't go faster than this the dude that wins on the weekend at parlor that's the fastest dude on the fucking planet of riding a motorcycle and it's like and then you come back and you piece it apart and you criticize it. it's like that eh, hit the brakes this is the fastest these this is it mm. if you put this dude on any track and i mean i guess you could make the argument with like the euro dudes but it's like it's all you know if you're on that stage like you said if you're one of those 40 dudes that's racing there like you're on the fucking edge and if you to be on the edge of any sport any business any anything performance based like you've got to really do some crazy shit to get there i suppose i one thing that's really stood out for me these first couple of races and obviously hunter's shown some great speed we see these riders that, that do well in mxgp they've got a certain attribute they bring to the riding they tend to be able to carry corner speed and carry momentum mm. because they, they they're, they're better at it they don't ride supercross as much and so we've seen really three high level 250 riders come from mxgp into the ama series this year uh, Hunter being the one we're all talking about, obviously, yeah, because you know, he's Australian. But um, but if we also talk about Covington, um, uh, I forgot he was racing. He's done that bad. Yeah, talk about Covington. What's going on there? Like one one of the four I motos. I forgot the he was racing. Yeah, I have and no idea. Took dude. took Supercross off to prepare because obviously Supercross wasn't going the way that it was supposed to do. Um, yeah, w- what's he doing? Yeah, I have no idea, man. That's yeah, I legit forgot he was racing. And, and the reality, like the, the how he ended up in MXGP was because he was supposed to ride for Mitch four or five seasons ago, and rather than ride Supercross, decided to do the first few GPs to stay away from Supercross, and just never went home. Yeah. Um. So this guy has lived, breathed, just outdoor racing his whole this whole pro career, MXGP. We get to the nationals. He took most of Supercross yeah, off because the results were there. there. I wonder what happened. I should try and figure that out. Yeah, it's, I'll text some people and it's, try and. It's it's an unusual thing. Um, it's crazy that he's got a rock star badge on because his dad's one of like the highest up people at Monster. Really? Yeah, like two IC sort of deal. Wow. So that's what he was like, sort of always slated to ride for Mitch, mm. and then yeah, now he's on Rockstar Husky. Like such a weird little way that that works. That must be like a kind of a weird deal. Yeah. Maybe I wonder if they talk about it over the family dinner table. Yeah, I know. It gets awkward. Mm-hmm. Maybe they Thanks just have to drink shit. Red Bull. Get so then there's... Hat off. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should watch the rest of this. What time are we running? I gotta be... Uh, we got a little bit. Um, uh, 4.50. Yeah, let's watch the rest of this. Yeah, sick battle again. Man, part of me wishes that we had 2010, 2011 parlor. I did love this section though. But one thing we saw again too was the, there wasn't those big gaps, and and maybe well, I just that's think it's because it's the, so fast, the, the smoother yeah. track, and, yeah. and it doesn't separate those really really unique animal guys that yeah. can go fast in the rough. Yeah, one hundred percent. That was the most boring moto recap ever. I suppose it wasn't that good of a moto. It's so weird. Like you look at Tomac, even like celebrating there, and it's just like it just there's no like. There's no, like, X factor to me behind it. Like, I think Mick laughs because I always give give him shit. But I'm yeah. not, like, I'm not, like, giving him shit. It's not personal shit. shit. No, it's no. not personal. But it's just, like, he could be so much cooler than what he is. But, like, there's just, oh, he's just so boring. Like, <laughs> Dunge was the same. You know, like, he just didn't have, like, it, it was, I think it was just so much focus, though. Because, like, when we shot the homegrown thing and, like, Dunge was drinking beers every night and, like, playing pool and batting cage and you know like he really lightened up i just think some of these dudes take it so seriously that um that's just it kills their any kind of um joy that they can extract out of it until after they're done i Mm. think eli's in a really unique situation too and right through his career even as an amateur like the fact that he sort of hasn't followed the normal route like he never went to southern california never went to florida just stayed in colorado obviously his father's you know the the man riding mountain bikes and, and cycling and they kept all of those uh, those those things under their own control. Yeah. So, you know, training at home, obviously they see some advantage at training at altitude. You know, it's been successful in other sports for, for cardio reasons. So he's such in this controlled environment. Yeah. Um, even more so than even, you know, the guys in, in Florida or in, or in Southern California where they're exposed to a little bit more. Like you go to, to Alden's facility and there's six or seven serious guys or, yeah. or any of these, these practice facilities. Whereas Eli's is unique because it's it's Eli and maybe one other guy. You know, yeah. occasionally have another rider come in. So he's so isolated, isolated from, yeah. from the rest of the industry. 
I think it has to have an effect on you. Like he's never been immersed into that. No, nah. and that it's even dude, like there was someone telling me I can't remember, but there was someone telling me that knew, and they said that like it was only a few years ago. Like he's only just been to watch the movies by himself. Like that's the level of isolation. Like a small town, real like Cortez. Obviously, it yeah. must be such a small. But place. like he never has done anything without his parents ever. Like even to yeah going to the movies. It was only like a couple of years ago that he even went to the movies without his parents like that's fucking weird like you're making millions of dollars and i mean i don't know like obviously it's working in terms of a um a uh like a success point of racing and the career that he's having he's winning championships but it's like you're you almost wonder whether like when he is crashing in supercross or when he is losing races where he shouldn't lose and and things like that you want it's like you wonder should he have a bit more just general life experience because you can sit down and have a beer with ken and talk some shit and you can sit down with coop and talk some shit and it's the same for a lot of these dudes a lot of them haven't had the um they haven't been treated as like this precious little snowflake their whole life and like eli is one of those guys where like you're not really you know perhaps there's an argument eli has this unique inability to be able to deal with you know issues he, he, every time like someone will blow past him on the track and it's almost like he falls to pieces or if he does if it's not right it's, we'll it's crashing like, twice in the whoops at new york and like the yeah. same like that's ridiculous like as a professional athlete it's it's like if something doesn't go correctly because it's it's outside the controlled environment it's almost like he doesn't know how to process cannot it or compute yeah cannot cannot can't deal with it <laughs> and and you know maybe maybe there's there's some argument that the way that he's lived his life and, and yeah. the lifestyle that he's immersed in he probably doesn't deal with certain types of adversity, like not getting pushed around the schoolyard as a kid yeah, and getting exactly. picked on. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's an argument that, that that's affected his ability to process when things aren't in that controlled environment. I agree. Uh, and, and, and we see the result of that. Like, you know, it was a, a couple of years ago when he had those, those few crashes at, at, at New Jersey Supercross that really yeah. cost him the championship. Mm. And he, he's slow to get up and get the bike going. Like he never is in a rush. You know, if Coop crashes... Like he's up, that thing is going. It's there's like real urgency. And he crashed like once or twice in the whole Supergross season. Yeah, but and it, one of them was a first turn. Exactly right. But if, if something goes wrong with any of these other top guys, they deal with adversity really, really well. Like they yeah. they they just they get over it straight away. Whereas Eli, it looks from the outside like he, he can't process that if something doesn't go right, uh, it's out of his control and he seems to almost fall to pieces. And it's it's just an unusual dynamic. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna wrap this bad boy up um thanks heaps for coming on man we'll make this more of a regular thing um, once we've got the new studio thanks for bringing uh being highly prepared that's a nice change from this podcast because i'm never prepared um but yeah hope you enjoyed it um talk some smack and uh yeah we'll uh we'll message again through through next week and um and yeah stay in, in contact over i've enjoyed your insight so nah, appreciate the invitation mate yeah no nah, awesome and mick as always thank you very much brother no worries, mate. appreciate your help all right we'll be back for um the next motocross companion after this weekend where is it this weekend Colorado. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully uh, some good racing there. We'll be back early uh, next week. Uh, thank you to the guys at Boost. Thank you to the guys at Nobby. Thank you to the boys at Rival. And thank you to the boys at MX Store. Um, thanks for uh, being a part of the show and, and helping make it happen. Appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Cheers, dude. Thanks very much, man. Yeah, no stress. Oh, yeah.